0: Let's pray. Our most gracious God and Heavenly Father, as we come to your word and open it and look into it, we pray that you'd open our eyes, Lord, open our ears, and open our hearts to receive what you have for us, and help me to handle your word and to handle it appropriately. We thank you so much for all that you are and all that you do. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. So, today, if you could open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, we're going to read a few verses from there. And starting in verse 9. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. And then if you could look ahead to uh, verse 22, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall, no, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship for there stood by me this night The angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. And then finally, skip ahead to verse 44, where we read, And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So here in chapter 27, we've got Paul, who, as you know, has been taken prisoner, is being carried away by ship to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. The ship encounters a major storm, and the crew finally has to stop trying to direct it, and as verse 15 says, let her drive. We know that ultimately the ship is run aground and is broken to pieces by the waves, but as verse 44 states, they they escaped all safe to land. It's quite striking the difference in Paul's perspective between verses 10 and verses, verse 22. He was quite certain in verse 10 that there would be hurt and damage of the lading, the ship, in their lives. Now, outwardly, Paul must have seen the tempest tossing the ship like a rag doll, Waves and winds so fierce that they had to take down every stitch of sailcloth and succumb to the mercy of the wild sea. Insurmountable odds were what Paul could see. That's all that Paul could see as the raging waters were in his mind, certain to destroy the vessel and every life on it. It had to be terrifying. I mean, I cannot imagine being in that position where all appears hopeless, all appears lost, the apparent end of life on this earth closing in. It had to be a suffocating feeling of certain and impending doom. Verse 20 records, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But then Paul has a paradigm shift. His perspective does a complete 180, and in verse 22, he emphatically states, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. And what was the reason for his hope? What changed Paul's perspective? How did he go from a position of fatalistic certainty of death to one of hope? It was the word of God. Read again in verses 23 to 24. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. And then he says to those on the ship, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. So the question is, Do we believe God? Do we believe all that has been told us, even when we're in the midst of the storm? In the Bible, we have God's infallible words to man given to us in our own language, where all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's easy to focus on the outward circumstances we find ourselves in, I mean, one brief look at the news media without comparing it, the, without comparing the horrendous stories um, that we read about to scripture is enough to snuff out hope. Human depravity seems to have taken over and, is, and appears it's unstoppable. There was another senseless mass shooting yesterday with over 20 plus lives snuffed out by a deranged lunatic. What's right is called wrong. What's wrong is called right in nearly every sphere that we look upon. War in the Ukraine. War in Israel. War drums beating all around the globe. Godly values under attack. Marriage as defined by God under attack. Nations crumbling and so-called leadership driving us into the ground. Rome is burning and Nero is fiddling. It seems that the storm is unabated. Our ship is at the mercy of the typhoon and evil is in control. But what is our response? What is our reaction? We often cower, we often live in fear, we complain, and we murmur. We say, as Paul did in verse 20 of our text, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. I have to admit that I'm personally so guilty of this reaction, and I hate it. I do it time and time again. But what an affront to God and to His power and to His name when we do this. You know, we say with our lips that God's in control, because he is, and we say all things work together for good to them that love God, because they do, but simply saying it is not true believing. It's clear from Scripture that true believing is in the doing. James tells us in chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Do we trust him? Do we really, really trust him? To lament the storm is not trusting God. To lament the storm is to say to God, you're not doing this right. You're making mistakes. I don't like the way that you're doing this. To lament the storm says that we know better than God. Is there evil in the world? Absolutely. And should we grieve the evil that we see in the world? Absolutely. Should we pray for God to intervene and send revival the way that we've been doing day in and day out on these calls? Absolutely. But should the storm cause us to enter into a sea of despondency and despair? Absolutely not. And if God decides to use any one of us to turn back the tide of evil We all have to be ready and willing to do all that he asks of us. We must say, as Paul said, wherefore sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The entire Bible has been told us. The entirety of the canon of scripture contains God's word to us. This is what we must believe, and we must be of good cheer, regardless of what is going on around us. We must pray fervently for this sort of radical personal revival to take place within us. And we must be willing to take God at his word. I'd like to close with a few promises from God that have been told us. Encouraging, uplifting promises that will stand true regardless of the storms that our ships are in. Deuteronomy 31, eight, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Isaiah 26.3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 29 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Isaiah forty three two. When thou passest through the waters I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. John eight thirty six. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And finally, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I encourage us all to pray for a paradigm shift to come unto each and every one of God's people through the word of God, as it happened unto Paul on the ship on his journey to Rome a revival of our very souls is what we desperately desire in these perilous waters we find ourselves in. May we be able to, from the depths of our hearts, be able to honestly say, I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Amen.